Welcome to a homegrown family podcast where we grow the produce and the kids. Hey, welcome everybody to a homegrown family podcast. Like you see in the uh, introduction, we talk about garden produce and raising kids. Well, I haven't gotten to the kids portion yet. We're getting there, I promise. We're going to kind of follow suit here with the current trend of raising produce, kind of self-sufficiency and uh, that narrative. So if you listen to and have been listening, um, you notice that in previous episodes, like Lady in a Sunday Dress, we talk about my mom, how she grew up and type of garden that my grandparents had and type of garden that she had. She had a really big garden. And uh, the good old days is the episode with my grandma. If you haven't listened to that one, man, we've gone a long way since the uh, early days. And it's only been 50, 60 years, you know, from this change. It's crazy. Industrial age, I tell you. So, uh, yeah, we're going to kind of follow suit there and kind of continue on with this gardening topic. But what follows a garden is usually what you do with your produce, right? And this time of year, everybody up here in the Midwest is kind of like, all right, holding on to their garden as long as possible, trying to get those last little peppers ripe, right? Anyways, um, today I have a guest that you are all familiar with, the one and only, David. Hello. Topic today is going to go into a little bit more food preservation. So we've been talking a little bit in recent podcasts about harvesting grapes, you know, and David's a big part of that. You know, we talked about the origin of the orchard. And so um, a lot of the grapes we use are for wine, but also used for fresh eating and making juice, like I kind of mentioned in the previous episode. Today, I kind of want to take a little bit of time to talk about food preservation and canning our juice primarily. We also do freeze some um, also. But we're going to focus in on the canning thing. With grandparents and parents that had big gardens, we learned at a young age that we don't always have to go to the store for our food. I think as a kid, mom and dad didn't really buy produce from the store very often as far as vegetables, fruits. Mom and dad bought fruit, right? She had oranges quite a bit and, and bananas. She always almost has. And still today, we almost go home every time for the weekends and stuff. And it's almost always a little thing of banana sitting on the table. I think it was a lot of what was in season, though, too, growing up. You know, we had lots of apples in the fall, right? There wasn't any other fruit around during apple season or, you know, when there was June berries to pick or strawberries. I mean, it was kind of what went with the season. Mom and dad certainly didn't go and buy produce that was off off season expensive shipped in from who knows where. True. Yeah. And that's that's interesting that you mentioned that, David, because there's been podcasts that Nora has been listening to my wife. And she tells me about these things that she's been listening to because I always don't have a time to catch up on the latest and greatest. But one of the things she's been talking about is that there's this trend of buying local and buying in season, right? So if you're not going to buy from you know, a local farmer or a local co-op or something like that or get your eggs you know, from the neighbor down the road, but at least buy the fruit that's in season you know, rather than trying to buy the expensive, you know, I don't know mangoes or strawberries in february and things like that but <laughs> so yeah growing up as kids a lot of green beans my mom did a lot of canning of green beans she did a lot of canning of or freezing corn mostly but canning wise it was beans we did we did buy a lot of baked beans we had that fairly often too so that was one one uh, vegetable i guess that mom did did buy fairly often what else david did mom always can for us red beets dill beets. pickles yeah um, she usually bought lugs of uh, peaches, um, sometimes pears to can also. Oh, when the 4-H fruit came in and stuff like that. Yeah. 
our fundraisers from school events, you know, yeah. nieces that are selling fruit. She'd always get, get a box of pears in Canada. That was always a treat. She'd do applesauce once in a while. Uh, she oh, didn't yeah. can a lot of applesauce. I mean, that's another one that I tend to freeze more instead of canning. But mm, Chili sauce. I'm always made in chili sauce. Chili sauce, spaghetti sauce, salsa. Did a lot of different things. So, I mean, yeah, even that type of stuff, tomato, anything tomato-based, mom pretty much canned up. And so to this day, you know, a lot of my siblings, you know, um, I think probably David and my sister Liz are probably the biggest canners of us all. The others don't necessarily have garden and garden access at the time or currently living in apartments or just don't have a very suitable yard space for it. David's taken on the reins a little bit as far as a uh, canning thing goes. <laughs> You've gotten a larger and larger garden as the years go by. Yeah, no, I would agree with you, Liz. I think Liz said she did like 80 quarts of spaghetti sauce or chili sauce or something like that this oh. year. That, that was way beyond what I did with tomatoes this year. So Liz can take that award. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I probably do uh, can the most juice, uh, jelly, that type of stuff. Maybe salsa, I guess. Oh, yeah, jelly and jam. That was another big one that her, my grandparents and her mom were always kind of into. Oh, she never bought any jelly or jam from the store. Oh, yeah. Yep. And the thing is, is you make make a batch of jam or jelly, you got, you know, 20 pints of this jam or 20 half pints of this jam. And unless you eat PB&J three times a week, it's going to take you a year and a half to two years to, to eat all that. Yeah, generally a single batch. I mean, what? Well, it depends on the recipe, right? A lot of times they're looking at four pints in a batch. Sometimes I'll double it and do eight pints because you can fit that in your canner, too. Yeah, yeah, right. If you're going to heat up the house in the middle of summertime, you might as well make it worth it. Right, yeah, exactly. Personally, I haven't done a lot of canning recently. I think I did like a zucchini relish that turned out, like a sweet relish that turned out pretty good. Uh, was it last year? Because I had some extra zucchini, right? And I have a small garden because I live in town. But um, I'm, I'm still one of the siblings that mooch. You know, <laughs> it sounds like I need to mooch off a of Liz a little bit. <laughs> and uh, trade some of my wine in for some spaghetti sauce. <laughs> but um, my wife's mom, she also does a fair amount of canning. And so she, I get a lot of green beans from her and spaghetti sauces and things, too. So I'm, I've got plenty of spaghetti sauce to go around, too. But I guess as far as uh, canning goes, you know, we, we learned the basics watching mom uh, growing up, but we really didn't get into it. You know, until you get your own garden that actually produces enough vegetables, you know, you're really not going to get into canning. It's just not worth the time and effort unless you have a large quantity of vegetables to preserve. But for myself, you know, I I enjoy it. I, I've done the basics from what mom taught us or recipes for mom, the dill pickles, the green beans. Uh, started with the basic salsa recipe and then kind of expanded on it. Right. It's always fun to do different things. Yeah, what's your what's your newest uh, addition to your salsa? Or is that top secret? No, not top secret. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like making stir fry. It always turns out a little different for me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, actually, I've tried things like roasting the tomatoes or the peppers, trying to get a little smoky flavor. But I figured out that the easiest and laziest way to do it is just to put in like a tablespoon of liquid smoke, <laughs> and you know, it turns out okay. You know, I, I like good. it. It just depends on who you are. You know, this act, this last time I did actually measure it, a tablespoon. So next time, if it's too strong or 
not strong enough, I can remember that. Uh, the last batch <laughs> Joe was taste testing, I just kind of glug glugged it, and yeah. <laughs> well, in my comments, originally I was like, <laughs> I was like, David, it kind of tastes like I'm eating a steak right now <laughs> on my chip. Like, where's the meat? <laughs> yeah, I hadn't really thought about it. You know, like the whatever uh, Brandon called it, the Heinz 57 steak sauce or whatever. And <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, so I think it'd be go great on some uh, loaded nachos. Yeah, A little bit of that salsa on top would be ugh, delicious. Yeah, no, I would agree. Um, so, yeah, I guess one of the big things, and Joe's already alluded to it, is uh, doing juice, right? What do we do with? all the juice that we press the apples uh, and the grape juice and yeah yes yeah we've talked about it here earlier um just the other day that this year we've pressed over 200 gallons of juice between grapes and apples now some of that we we sold to someone who was making wine uh, but a lot of it we end up either drinking fresh or canning and i think myself i canned over 20 gallons of apple and maybe about 10 of grape and so mom must have did a fair amount also i think mom did about 15 gallons okay maybe even 20 yeah Yeah. and joe of course does a lot of brewing also so i mean that's where what 60 some gallons probably went yeah yep yeah so let's uh talk about canning juice so what do we do start off with what kind of supplies in general or Dave, why don't you just walk us through your process and kind of go from there? Yeah, so I think you've already had an episode talking about how we make juice. Yep, we have five-gallon pails ready to go. It's kind of where we're at, and so you can take it from there. Yeah, so this last weekend, I was actually just pressing at my own house here down in Renville, and so I just went straight from the hydro press pressing out the apple juice straight into a kettle to warm it up and that's kind of how i start my process is all right so the hydro press is what i referred to as the bladder press last episode so okay (laughs) david has the more technical term (laughs) i don't know if it's more technical or not that's what i call it but anyway so i but once i get about you know three gallons or so of juice in my bucket i'll switch the pails out and bring one inside and pour it into a large kettle to warm up. Because once I wash my jars and everything's warm, I don't want to be pouring cold juice into warm jars and putting, you know, the jars with cold juice inside of a my hot water bath canner that has warm water in it. You know, I don't want to crack the glass by stressing it or changing the temperatures too drastically. So I like to warm up the juice first and then put it into the jars and then into the warm hot water bath because I have that kind of warming up as I'm getting other things ready. Otherwise, yes. it takes a long time to go from cold juice and cold water to getting a hot water bath going. It just takes a long time. Okay, so for canning juice, the first thing you got to do is make sure that all of your supplies are clean and sanitized going into the process. So generally speaking, I'll just get a nice um, sink full of Don dish soap, hot water, wash up my jars, rinse them off so there's no residue on them, anything like that. And same thing with the lids, rinse them off again. And while we're doing that, generally speaking, on the stove, I'll have my water warming up in my hot water bath uh, canner. And also I'll have another little pot there with some water heating up to put the lids in. 
generally speaking, you'll throw your lids in this little, what I do is put it in a little pot on the side and you want to boil your lids for like 10 minutes, right? You're sterilizing the lids and also you're warming up the uh, rubber on the uh, rim there to get a better seal when you're canning. And for the jars, after I'm done washing and rinsing them, I just flip them over so nothing's floating around and landing in my jars until I'm ready to use them. And for the juice, right, we already have the juice pressed. And so that goes into another large kettle, uh, preferably something that for juice purposes can hold up to like three gallons, right? Because I'm going to be canning four half-gallon jars at a time in a seven-quart hot water bath canner. And unfortunately, that's all you can fit in there. I'm sure there's other larger canners out there that you could maybe fit more in there. But I use half-gallon jars because what's the point in canning quarts of juice? Sure. I mean, unless, <laughs> unless you live by yourself, I mean, my kids are going to drink one of those jars every day. You know? I'd take a couple plants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can just yeah, you can get a little pints and take them to work with you and stuff. And <laughs> That's what I did. I was basically the fresh juice I brought home from the fridge and poured it into a pint jar, brought it to work, and then... <laughs> See, there you go. I actually looked into that once, uh, little bottles that you could seal oh. and bring to work and stuff. That just didn't... It wasn't cost-effective to do that. Yeah. And I know sometimes when I when I have canned, I'll also take the jars, too, because you know your hot water bath is going to be boiling soon. And so I will... I will dip my jars into the, the hot water bath, let them boil for five minutes. I mean, then, then you deal with, you know, hot oven mitts with getting wet and steam and all that stuff. So you can sometimes burn yourself. But I definitely, you know, take them out of the hot water bath. And then after that, I put them upside down after that. And So I usually do a little extra step, I guess, perhaps. But It's a good practice to sterilize your jars, too. Um, I'm just lazy sometimes, and I haven't gotten sick yet. So well, that's one thing, too, is that some people might be listening and, Thinking, oh, you should really use a um, pressure cooker, you know, to get the get a certain pressure and a certain temperature and this and that. Our grandma used a hot water bath kettle. My mom used a hot water bath kettle. You know, we use a hot water bath kettle. Like, it's it's tried and true. I mean, we haven't had any issues with botulism in our canned goods or anything like that yet. You know, you gotta keep an eye out for it. If you see something little floaties in there, you know, you obviously don't need it. You know. Um, you know, there, there's a point to that. If you if you read like the ball canning guidebook, uh, they'll talk in there about what foods should be pressure canned and which foods are safe to just use a hot water bath. And it has to do with the acidity of the foods. Right. Um, so that's why sometimes you'll add vinegar to things um, and you have to have so much acid in that vinegar to be used for canning. And I think I actually heard from an or someone sent me an article not too long ago that there's actually vinegar on the shelves now that is below that standard level of acidity needed for canning. So that's something people should be aware of is you got to make sure. I think it's like 5% maybe it needs to have. And I think the current jugs of vinegar are like 4.5. Yeah, right. So it's 5% or higher to be used for canning. Yep. So things like beans should be used or canned with a pressure canner and it doesn't take as long. But you can also use a hot water bath, and it just takes longer to do it. And I know the the juice and juice that we're working with uh, to test pH during the wine making or juice cider making process, and and our pHs are like anywhere from three two to three seven. Pretty, <laughs> they're pretty low. I think we're safe on the grape juice. 
Yeah, and then we talked about the Star Sand sanitizer that I use. I measured, I actually measured pH on that the other day with, with my five gallon, ten gallon solution I had. You know, it's, it could get a little bit more acidic, more or less, depending on how much you actually put in to mix it. But it came out at I think two point four. Okay. So I mean, it wasn't like, I mean, one pH doesn't seem like a lot, but maybe it is a fair amount. I don't know. Well, it, it does come out to a lot, right? When you look at the the pH scale, well, it goes it goes to like the tenth. It's logarithmic. Right? logarithmic yeah yeah right so it is actually a lot of a difference yeah yeah so we got these jars and everything pots boiling the jars are sanitized and oh right yep so <laughs> we pour the juice into the jars you want to make sure that you leave uh air space right at the top of the jar you, you know maybe a quarter inch or so uh at the top of the jar and that's so your liquid your juice when it's boiling it's going to bubble inside the jar when you're cooking it in there. And that juice, if you fill it too full, is actually going to force its way out of the jar, actually. And sometimes you'll get your lids will actually kink up if you fill it too full, too. And uh, you'll see, I've noticed it sometimes. I'm guilty of it. I fill them a little too full sometimes. And you'll see you'll have discolored water in your canner because some of the juice slipped out the top. It's like, oh, okay, that one was a little too full. Um, so yeah, little, little bit of headspace there, quarter inch, something like that. And you're going to want to hand tighten your rims onto the jars once your lids are on there. And one of the things you want to do before you put the lids on is just take a washcloth. Uh, it's very, that's clean, right? You haven't used it yet. And you just want to wipe the rim just to make sure there isn't something on the rim that would prevent the lid from seating there and getting a seal on it. There can't be. Well, it's juice, right? So you're not going to have something like if you're canning salsa and you spilled a little bit on the rim, you're not going to have like a piece of seed or something there that prevents it from sealing. So juice, you're pretty safe, maybe not wiping the, the tops of the jars, but that's a good practice when you're canning to do that. Also, before you start, make sure your tops of your jars don't have like a chip or something, you know, mm-hmm. so they don't seal then either. Um, so then you put them in the hot water bath. So general rule of thumb for hot water bath for things like jellies and juices, I'm going to say, is you're looking at 20-minute hot water bath for pints, 25 minutes for quarts. And so for the half-gallon jars, I do 30 minutes. And, you know, it's just looking right logically at the volume or the mass inside each individual jar and how long it might take to heat it up all the way, right? When you're looking at those individual big jars. Because you're trying to heat it up from the outside of the jar, right? To get all the way into the interior of the jar, kind of, so to speak. Yeah, so is is it fundamentally the reason of the hot water bath is to help seal it? Or is it actually to actually kind of bake or cook the products also? I mean, to some degree, you're, you're cooking your green beans, they soften up a little bit. But in terms of juice... You really, you don't really need to cook anything, do you? Or you know? No, you know, honestly, for the juice, I think it's more so help making sure that it's going to seal. Um, but also, I look at it as kind of maybe a last step sanitizing, make sure everything's uh, <laughs> cooked off and dead. So that's right. kind of what we, I look at it like. Yeah, we talked about how we wanted to put the cam tablets in just in case, but the process of canning does essentially cook your bacteria and things like that off and everything. And so one question I have, or one of my listeners might have is how much water how much water do you put in your hot water bath or how high 
do you want your water over your jars or do you, do you put water over your jars? You know, what, how much water do you put in there relative to your jars? So again, my, uh, my hot water bath canner is probably not as large as it should be for a half gallon jar. And I can't actually cover the jars entirely um, because of that. Um, my canner's not tall enough. For pints and quarts, I have no issues. I can cover them with some water, right? Uh, so that's best practice, I would say, is to have water covering the jars by an inch or two uh, if you have the space available. Uh, for my canner, you know, I really can only get up to, you know, the neck of the jar, really, for my canner. I'd have to have a taller canner to be able to do any more than that. I've never had any issues with juice not sealing, really. Um, you know, it seems like, you know, you're getting, you have the lid on on the canner. So you are getting a lot of heat and a lot of steam going in there that should still, you know, loosen up the rubber on the top there if you didn't already with the boiling of them. Never had any issues. Yeah, and that's actually, I talked to mom about this the other day because I was going to see if she wanted to do this this episode but uh she said that she also doesn't usually put the water over the jars we talked about how how stuff in the jars can seep into the solution or around the jars or the water around the jars well in theory then you know if you have a little nick in your lid that you didn't see stuff from inside the jar inside the hot water bath could seep into your jars also if you do cover them all the way this is a theory possibly i'm following you know. the thought process but if there's going to be something leaking into your jar, I don't think it's going to seal. Right. Like there's something wrong with it that um, with either with the jar or the lid that it won't seal. Because if your rims on there, you know, tight enough, it's it's really not going to be able to get in right when you're boiling and stuff. It's going to be forcing stuff out, if anything. So I really don't think that would be possible. But I follow the thought process. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's just like another potential risk of, you know, contamination possibly, or if it doesn't seal, you know, prevent sealing, and then you got to re- try to recan it or just decide to eat fresh all of a sudden, you know, or whatever. But, yeah, so then you give it a, a cook for, you know, 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah. And there's usually a little tiny tool you can use that you can buy at any of your canning goods stores or hardware stores that you can use to actually pull the lids out, you know, pull the jars out, I mean. It's kind of like a, I don't even, it's kind of like a tongs, but built to, to go around a jar. And so like pull it out with that so that way you're not touching hot things. And they also sell like a little a little utensil that has like a little magnet on the end that you can use to grab your lids, you know, when you're boiling them in the water. And then use that without being able to touch your lid. You can actually set it on without touching, you know, any of the rubber pieces or anything like that too. So Yeah, they usually sell those as a set. You get a little box. There'll be a funnel, that little magnet stick like you were talking about, the thing to grab things with. There'll even be a tongs in there. There's usually something else also to measure the uh, airspace on top to see if you're actually, you know, leaving enough air. Oh, yeah. Or if you're leaving. I guess I saw that tool and I was like, who needs this? (laughs) Yeah, right. I never use it. But if a person wanted to gauge, you know, just if they've never done it, maybe it'd be a good thing to have. Yeah, I shouldn't make fun of you. If you're going to listen to this podcast and decide to can some juice, go ahead and use a uh, spacer. You know, if you don't, you don't have a lot of experience, we won't judge you. <laughs> too harshly. But, it, <laughs> but until you get an eye for how much that is, you know, it's good practice to start off with. Yep. Yeah, so it's, it's a pretty simple process, really, you know. 
to me, juice is about one of the easiest things you can can. You're literally just pouring juice into a jar and boiling it. You're not cutting up peppers and you're cutting up, you know, garlic or anything like that. You're not trying to put so much seasoning salt in there or anything or none of that, you know, so keep it's it simple. Jelly. jelly, you got to add pectin and sugar to anyway. Yeah, you know, that's one thing, David, that I've been trying. I've been trying to, a little segue here, I guess. I've been trying to take some of this juice and, you know, put some pectin in it, I think. Either I put gelatin or pectin, I can't remember. I think I put gelatin. It's probably why it didn't turn out. But I tried to make some homemade jello out of this juice. So that way it's a nice, nice, you know, home produced product of jello for my daughter versus, you know, something jello that you just buy from the store that's full of a bunch of sugar. So I put some natural sugars and try to make some jello out of it. And it's kind of a nice snack. And if you make it to that really, really hard jello, like a super pectinized jello, it actually won't like melt your hands very much. But I tried to make that and I can never get it to set. And I don't know if it's because I was using gelatin because I had it at my house. Someone told me that I should probably use pectin instead. And if you use like twice the amount of pectin, you might be able to get it to be a little bit harder so that way it doesn't actually like melt very easily. But I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds I'm like safe. a good idea though. So those of you guys listening, if you ever made homemade jello using juice, not from a store, email me and tell me how you do it. I want your recipe to try it out because uh, I failed at it like two, three times and I'm like, this is ridiculous. So. That's being said, my email is uh, homegrownfam at gmail.com. I'm on the same exact Instagram, you know, uh, homegrownfam on the Instagram. Yeah, it's kind of catchy. (laughs) But, um, yeah, feel free to reach out. If you have any questions about this hot water bath stuff, you know, I might have to chit-chat with David about it. But uh, I can get you some answers in terms of if you have any questions or if you're like, hey, you know, I haven't found a really good salsa recipe. Do you mind sharing yours? I could probably sneak that off, David, maybe, and get a little... But like I said, every little batch changes, and it's a little bit different. But (laughs) (laughs) I digress. Anyways, appreciate everybody for listening. Um, Quick and easy episode on uh, canning juice. There you have it.